Uh, want to welcome everybody to today's podcast. Today we're tackling the topic of ableism versus racism. And for that topic, I've got my good friend Alan Solano on the line. And uh, Alan, want to welcome you to the podcast and want to thanks for taking some time out of your day. It's all good to to talk about this topic that I think a lot of people, one, either they don't realize it or they don't want to talk about it. Um, so so it's definitely a topic that I think is very, very important. And before we go any further, I kind of want to define some terms. So so when we talk about the, the term ableism, that in this context is meaning that society has put in place things that work in favor of people who are able-bodied. And okay. also, when we talk of the term racism, we are talking about the notion that society has put things in place that, that would favor one race over the other. So, just wanted to make sure that our audience knew what we were... Uh, comparing here just so that everything's crystal clear all right yeah. so having said that alan i'll kind of let you take over for a few minutes and give us a little bit of background on your experiences with these two isms okay um all right uh, my name is alan solano i'm 32 years old i'm a professional truck driver um I've been married now since 14 to my wife, who is of Spanish and African-American descent. Um, I was born with a congenital hand deformity called uh, complex bilateral brachycendactyly. Don't ask me how to spell it. I ain't even know why. Um, how they've affected my life. Uh, and it, it's... The, as far as the ableism of the world around us and society in general being catered towards people who are more able-bodied, um, dude, I've seen it since I first started looking for work. Or hell, even as early as when I was still in grade school, um, I had people tell me, oh, you can't play football. But I did. And I've had people tell me, oh, you shouldn't be able to run a power lift, but I did. And I mean, it, it's, I was always raised and my dad, it sounds harsh, but he always tell me, don't expect pity from people. You're not going to find it. So that's the way I was raised. Um, how I've experienced it got really bad when I uh, started trying to find work because a lot of people would look at my hands and go, oh, well, you're, you're not able to do the job, and they'd shoot me down before I even had the chance. Um, and the irony is, is that most of my jobs have been very heavy on, you have to have strong manual dexterity. I was a uh, professional bass player for six years. I cooked for a living during that time for about six years. Um, 
And even when I got into driving 18 wheelers, I had several companies straight turn me down going, we can't afford you because they looked at my hands as a work liability and then I wouldn't be able to do the job. Um, as far as how I've experienced racism, I'm actually, I'm half and half, man. My mom's German, French, Texan. Um, my dad's actually Puerto Rican. So I've got flack because of my last name. Uh, when I got with my wife, the racism stuff started flaring its head up. Um, when it came about, because I used to work at a uh, parts house dealing with mechanics and whatnot, um, I've been called everything from nigger lover to race trader to, um, yeah, pretty much any ugly thing that you can deal with. And my wife, um, for if you have any African-American listeners out there, I'm sorry for using that word, but I used it in context. And for what African-American listeners you have out there, they'll understand the gravity of what I'm about to say. My wife's been called a race trader as well. She's also been called high yellow. Um, she's been called um, coon, uh, house nigger, all of those things. And they're, for what people you have listening, I want them to keep something in mind. I live in South Mississippi. So as crappy as it sounds, it's kind of to be expected where I live, but I didn't think people would be so blatant about it. So, yeah. Blatant in what ways? I mean, dude, racism's quiet, normally. It's if I'm in Walmart with my wife and my kids, who my kids are light-skinned like I am, I'll have people sit there and, like, stare at us. They won't say anything, but they'll just sit there and stare at us um, because my wife is darker-skinned. I'm not. My kids aren't. Or it'll be, like, backhanded questions. Like, my wife went to the store with our kids, and the lady's like, oh, whose babies are these you're watching? She's like, they're mine. No, they're not. And she's like, yeah, they are. So, I mean, it's, or it, it, I don't know, man, that just basic examples I can come up with. Yeah. And, and people, I think don't both on the ableism side and the racism side, I don't think people realize how awkward and sometimes hurtful just a simple stare can be to somebody. Um, Absolutely. It's old, man. Right. Um, I, I, I myself, you know, I've been faced with, you know, the awkward glares and the, you know, being excluded from different things. Um, things that I was capable of. Yeah. Um, you know, games I could have played. Uh, events I could have gone to, uh, things of that nature, just because, you know, people weren't aware of what 
what I could and couldn't do. So they, they just were, didn't. They yeah, they just out. they just they just left me out. Yep. Um, because they're too scared to ask because they don't want to offend you. Mm-hmm. Right. And when in reality, I would much rather people ask, and I think you you'd feel the same way, Alan. Um, yeah. I'd much rather people ask and know the right thing, and not assume something that's wrong. Um, yeah. Because assumptions very rarely are right, and they just are even more hurtful. Uh, add, add, they just add more hurt to the to the situation, um, which is unnecessary in my opinion. Yeah. So, but I, I kind of agree with you. Once, you know, once I was able to prove people wrong, I kind of was the same way in high school uh, as far as the powerlifting. I, I necessarily wasn't able to be on the powerlifting team, but but I was in workouts. Like I, I did a lot of the same upper body stuff um, they were doing. In in fact, in high school. I was about 140 pounds bench pressing 220. Um, That's serious. So, so had had I been able to actually compete and um, th- had them been able to modify the scoring system, I could have done some serious damage uh, in some powerlifting meets if if I had the right tools in place. Um, and it was. <clears throat> It was once I was able to show that side of my abilities that mm-hmm. people started to take me more seriously um, and not necessarily see me as a person in a wheelchair. They just saw me, you know, they just saw me lift, you know, two plates on bench press. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it was it was kind of interesting to see some jaws drop once they figured out what uh what I could do, uh, you know, weightlifting, played basketball for a long time. Um, and, and I've, you know, I was up until college, uh, my last guy, basketball game I played, I, I was told several times that I was by far the fastest person on the basketball court uh, during games. Um, so that, that definitely helped. Um, negate this stuff but i definitely agree with you that you know there was always the naysayers that no matter what i did or um you know how i tried to present myself they were like oh there's something to the effect of oh well yeah you could do that but how are you gonna do that they would always try to they would always try to come up with something to try and stump me Something yeah. to try and, you know, detract from what, you know, how I tried to carry myself. And, and I just wouldn't let them. Um, I, I, I would either, either, you know, talk them into a reasonable place or I would just simply ignore them. Yeah. And if they weren't willing to reason with me, then, then I wasn't going to waste my time on them. Because there's always going to be those people that we can't reason with. Um, and I think it's important to know when that happens and to just let them go. Well, yeah, because, I mean, there, there's... 
there's people who are decent, reasonable folk who, if you go, oh, I can't do that, and then you do it, and you do it well, or at least comparably to what they're doing, they go, oh, okay, dope. That's cool. All right, yeah, let's let, let's cycle them in or whatever. But no, there's there's always going to be the asshole, man. The just people who just because they can will be hateful and spiteful. So, I mean, it, and it's our place as people who aren't. Like, I've had people look at me before and go, you understand you're not normal, right? And I'm like, we're aware. But it's our place as people who aren't normal to have the skin thick enough to understand that we're not. If that right. makes any sense. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of talking in circles, but... No, that that definitely makes sense. We've we've got to be a, aware of ourselves enough to know when we're in over our heads, um, uh-huh. and I think that's one of my my personal struggles is is I've always had the mentality that I'm going to show people that they're wrong about my abilities without ever asking for help and. Asking for help never has been a sign of weakness, um, in my opinion. Um, but for for prideful reasons, I just wouldn't let myself um, accept help, no matter what it was. Even if I, you know, tried it and failed, I would still, you know, keep at it until somebody who really cared about me stepped in and said, you know, let me help you. You're just making it harder on yourself. Well, see, this is the thing, though, man. It's something I had to learn because I was almost homeless. I was very, very close to being homeless at one point. And it took me figuring out that my pride got me where I was at. And that, and just like you said, of going, no, I don't need any help, damn it. I'm fine. Go, bye. It took me almost getting homeless for somebody to go, are you done yet? You, do you need help now? And then me sitting there going, yeah. And then they have to sit there and try and make sense of the mess that you made trying to be headstrong. When in reality, you could have asked for help months ago. Right, and um, <laughs> Alan, this is a story I don't even know if I told you or not. Um, about the end of January, I I had banged my foot on my metal bed frame, which caused a, a wound on the back of my ankle, um, which, you know, being in a wheelchair, it was a very hard place on my body to take care of and make sure it was um healing like it should have and me being me being the prideful person that i was just bandaged it as much as i could uh slapped some neosporin on it 
uh, and, and try to just deal with it myself. Yeah. Ended up getting ended up getting infected, and um, I went to urgent uh, urgent care, uh, just a walk in clinic, and they immediately sent wanted to send me to the ER. So I found a wound care facility the next day and got in with them. Um, but at that point, the infection had already spread into my bloodstream and, uh-huh. and went septic. So, so that landed me actually in the hospital Yeah, where I, I actually, and this was, uh, the week of Valentine's Day actually is when uh, the hospitalization happened, and um, I just lost my train of thought. And so I I uh, was in the hospital for about five days. Uh, ended up going through some kidney failure uh, while in the hospital, so that was pretty traumatic. Um, yeah. Had some pretty heavy antibiotics. Um, and just now got to a point where I'm pretty, pretty healthy after that. But all, I say all that to say that stemmed from a time in my life where I was too prideful to say, I need some help. I can't deal with this by myself, you know, and have somebody step in and, and help me. Um, and it just snowballed and it got way worse. Um, and I think that's a really big key component to all of this is um, being able to say, you know, I don't have all the answers. Um, somebody help me. And, yeah. and also um, being able to educate people on what you need from them. You know, if, if somebody's uh, making racist remarks, towards you or your wife, that's a key teaching moment on, um, you know, just how ignorant they are of, of who you and your wife are. Um, and, and a real good moment for you to, you know, enlighten them on, on exactly who you are and, and um, how you're not who they make you out to be when they are, you know, just gung-ho on wanting to make you guys out to be bad people. Yeah. So I think that's definitely important to try and educate uh, those we come in contact with on, you know, the ins, of out, in, in, ins and outs of uh, the lives that we live, you know, even though we do may do life differently or uh, do life in a way that uh, people don't always agree with. Um, and that's really the, the only way that change is going to be made is if we're willing to sit down um, with each other and, and not just, you know, write each other off as I- either ignorant or, you know, incapable yeah. or, or whatnot. Um, so, and, and I think that's really important uh, to stress that we all do things differently, but in this, when it comes down to it, we're all more similar than we are different. Um, 
So. Yeah. Give me a second, man. I'm driving up here in the northeast right now. All right. No, you're you're right, and it, it's. <clears throat> I'm trying to downplay what you're saying, man. That's noble to want to use the moments of somebody verbally attacking me or my wife or my kids or whatever. Yeah, it's noble to want to use it as a teaching moment. But, bruh, sometimes that's not the reality. I mean, it's because most of the time the people who are already, who are to the point in their own bigotry and hatred that they're willing to actually verbalize it now. As far as I'm concerned, that means they're willing to take action behind their words and I'm going to defend me and mine before I'll let somebody just sit there and shit talk my family. So it just, we'll agree to disagree. (laughs) Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely agree with you there. And, and to that point, People, in order for people to change, they have to want to change first. And exactly. and I agree with you. If if somebody's at the point where they're going to degrade somebody for, you know, being in a wheelchair or degrade somebody for the color of their skin, um, I don't think they're at a point in their life where they're ready for honest Reason. change. Yeah. So, so well, and I, I definitely agree with you on the on that point that people have to want to change and and it's important for us as you know the relationships we have both with others and with ourselves that we have to defend ourselves and defend those that we care about um, there's there's a healthy aspect to to setting boundaries to say that, you know, I see what you're saying, but you're still not going to treat me this way. Um, I think that's a healthy thing. Um, but it's also um, harmful in the sense that if we take it too far, then we become the people that we're trying to fight with, um, in a sense. And so we've got we've to caution ourselves not to... Uh, you know, as cliche as it sounds, we've got to caution ourselves not to stoop to their level. Yeah, I and and I see that. There's just some days, though, man, where it, it's how do I say? I'm assuming you were bullied in school, yeah. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> okay, so was I. Um, you like me. We came out the womb with these issues. <laughs> so, um, I know with me personally, it took the. I listened to a lot of people. Oh, just ignore them. Just ignore them. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. I did that for a long time. But then I saw the efficacy of when I was about a junior in high school of one of my bullies ended up on my wrestling team with me. And um, we happened to get paired up. It escalated. And 
I broke a couple of his ribs because I got tired of him badgering me even when we were in there. Guess what? Never spoke to me again. Mm -hmm. I was okay. So, uh, I mean, I understand, like, if you have somebody who, best example of talking about being reasonable with people that come from a background of hatred, reform skinheads, you'd think, oh, well, they're neo-Nazis. There's no way they can be reformed. They have, like you said, they got to hit a point in their life when they realize just how little that ill-conceived notion they've been clinging to actually matters. Right. Uh, I mean, it, it, um, they have to hit that point in their life, and it's not your job to make them hit that point. <laughs> they need right, to- and... And that's that's definitely for sure. And, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and and say that I've never been in a fight because I've been bullied. I've been a f- in in several fights, honestly. Well, um, and in several scraps. Yeah, just because people, you know, I I was at a point where, you know, reason didn't work, and um, honestly, the people the people that were bullying me once i stood up to them verbally they were looking to fight me physically um and that's just a a matter of i was gonna not let myself uh be bullied to that point and and i had to defend myself um so there's there's definitely something to to say to that point of being able to defend yourself um and not just let people walk all over you yeah. Sorry for the extra noise, man. I had to pull over for a minute. You're fine. Everything going good with your truck? Uh, yeah, my GPS is geeking out. I gotta oh. reboot. I gotta reboot my computer real quick. But man, um, I, I, I tell you, I was I was going to a doctor's appointment on Monday, and I used Google Maps on my phone. Uh huh. And it told it took me to. A different location that was about three or four blocks from the place I wanted to go. So, gotta gotta love those GPS. They're always, always so dude, special. Dude, Google Maps will take you to Bulgaria if you don't watch yourself. <laughs> it's funny, um, but <clears throat> not nah, man. Like we're we're kind of getting off topic. Um, classes. I mean, classism versus racism within society. Parallels are real, man. Uh, I mean, it's like you go to a um, old enough building. There's a handicap ramp. There isn't one. Or, or, or if there is one, it's on the back side of the building, away from the main entrance. Exactly. And uh, and usually for like, and in more urban cities, like more urban settings. Dude, those ramps, because my dad was wheelchair bound for a while, so I understand the struggle. Um, though some of those ramps are so damn steep, I'm sitting there going, Do you actually expect somebody to wheel themselves up this? You serious? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it, 
it's um all that is to me is hallmarks of somebody who's designing something that they have no experience with mm-hmm. or or they don't understand the importance of the item mm-hmm. that that's um that's one thing that makes me so frustrated with the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, is everything that was built before 1994, as it stands right now, doesn't uh-huh. need to be modified. Um, so, so any older structures that are, you know, 25 years old or more, um, they don't they don't need any modifications for accessibility and and so like you said once you get into these older towns like for example i went to, to college in in abilene in west texas which uh-huh. it's out in the middle of nowhere it's a it's a fairly big retirement community uh for some older folks um and it's just it's honestly just an older town um but a lot of their structures downtown uh-huh. Um, just aren't aren't accessible. Um, whether it's you know steps leading into the entrance or sidewalks that are very steep or uneven. Um, so I definitely get what you mean as far as um, fighting the accessibility issues. So I've, I've definitely been there, um, and it's it's honestly just not fair sometimes. No, it's not. You know. I definitely agree with you. All right, man. Well, do you have any other uh, remarks that you'd like to add before we close up? Uh, I know it sounds kind of cheesy to everybody who's listening. Don't be a shitty human. Be kind to people. It pays. Yeah, it really does. I, uh, (laughs) I agree with you 100%. Um, and that's kind of one of the, the foundations of this podcast is I, I would hope that everybody would just treat each other like they want to be treated, if not better than they want to be treated. Um, so a little bit, it's all it takes, man. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, my brother. Well, uh, I appreciate it and, uh, we'll be talking to you soon. All right. Good deal, man. All right. Thank you, sir. Not a problem. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to wrap it up for today. I want to thank you for listening and hope you enjoyed our uh, topic. And if you did, let me know. Uh, Otherwise, we will see you guys later.